Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Psalm 103, and we'll be looking at this passage today. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. All right, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. This is a psalm of David. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Everyone say, bless the Lord. Lord. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. name. You know, uh, the NIV, I believe here, translates it, praise the Lord, O my soul. But actually, that word praise is is, is a different word altogether. The word that's used here in the Hebrew is the word for bless. It is the Hebrew word barak. It means blessing. It means to bless. And here the psalmist uh, David is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Did you know that you can bless God? You know, in our English definition of the word bless, we often think of it as just God blessing us. But we can be a blessing to God. We can bless God with our lips. We can bless God with the things that we do. We can bless God with the way we approach him. And I'm just going to read um, about this Hebrew word, Barak. Inherent in the idea of blessing is the invocation of special favor on a person or object that is held in high esteem. The object of blessing in the Old Testament may be either divine or human, or that which belongs to either God or human beings. Where God is the object of human blessing, the context is invariably one of worship and praise. And when people bless God, they offer him praise for who he is and what he has done on behalf of those he loves. And so this word Barak, bless the Lord, it appears 300 times, over 300 times in the Old Testament. And it is translated as the word bless on almost every occasion, almost literal translations. And so I want to get it in your spirit today. To grab hold of this vocabulary. Praise the Lord. We all know how to praise the Lord. We can picture what that means. But I want you to start thinking about that word Barak. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. And everything within me. Let everything within me bless his holy name. Everyone say all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Turn to your neighbor and say bless the Lord. You need to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. O my soul, bless his holy name. Uh, Let's look at verse 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Let's back up on to verse 2. The word of God says here, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. You know that because you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, there are incredible benefits that you have access to and get to enjoy because of what God's Son has done for you on the cross. Amazing benefits. But many times, 
in the day-to-day life, we forget what these benefits are. And the psalmist calls us back. Forget not. Remember all of its benefits. For the Lord has been good to us. All right. And so, um, look at, so I'm going to look at three aspects of the benefits that are mentioned here in Psalm 103. Three aspects. All right. Uh, let's look at verse three. Who forgives all your iniquity. So number one, God, one of God's benefits that we really ought to bless the Lord for is that our iniquities get forgiven for all of eternity. This is good news. Amen. Amen. Our iniquities get forgiven for all of uh, all of eternity. Our sins, our transgressions, our shortcomings, all of our iniquities are forgiven. Uh, Look at verse 10 of Psalm 103. Let's read that together. Verse, Verse 10. One, two, three, read. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. Amen. And look, if you read on to verse 11 and 12, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love to those who fear Him. And then verse 12 is an is a awesome memory verse. And I use it all the time when I minister healing and deliverance. As far as the east is from the west, so far... Does he remove our transgressions from us? Amen? What does that tell you? That tells you that when you get forgiven, you get forgiven for all of eternity. There will not come a time 3,000 years into the future where God, 3,000 years in the future, says, you know what? I'm a little upset at what you did 3,000 years ago. You know, let's bring, let's bring that back up. Because you know what? I'm, I'm having a bad day. And I need to blame somebody for this bad day. Let me, let's talk about your sin that happened 3,000 years ago. No. The Bible tells us that when God forgives, He forgets. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. When God forgives your sin, He forgets it. You know how we know this? Because the metaphor... The figurative uh, language that's used here in verse 12 is, as far as the east is from the west. Can I ask you a question? If you start traveling east right now from out of this building, you just start traveling east. If you went 5,000 miles east, will you ever meet the west? Okay, smart people said no. If you go the opposite way, you go east, and you, oh, I said west first or east first, whatever. You go the other way, <laughs> you travel around and around and around the earth, what you will find out is the east never meets the west. It's a geom- geo- in geometry, right? Geometric. It's a geometric impossibility. The east never meets the west. And that's real interesting. So God is saying, he separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Meaning once it gets separated from us, it never returns. It is so far. It is a geometric impossibility for God to 
remember your sin. The cross of Jesus Christ has forgiven and cleansed you for all of eternity. Now, I know this is very basic, and I know this is something that we hear from time to time, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Now and then, we need to remember. We need to remember the benefits that we enjoy through the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, in some forms of Christianity, it gets, it gets a little bit more works-based. Because they interpret certain Bible passages where it says, you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And they use those passages to say, you can never be sure about your salvation. And there are some sects of Christianity that will say, it is a presumptuous thing for you to assume that you, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Who are you? You think you're God? How do you know that you're going to get to heaven? You better just give it all you got, and then hopefully you'll make it into the gates of heaven. But you can never have that assurance. Because the Bible tells us to work out your salvation. Meaning, salvation is not a completed thing as long as you're alive. But it's only complete after your, your whole life has been lived. Alright? And so th- these are some of the ways that certain forms of Christianity uh, interpret that. Now, I just find that very hard to believe. And I just don't see that as a good interpretation. Because the rest of scripture doesn't give us that interpretation. Alright? It says in Ephesians 2.8.9. For we have been saved. Right? By grace. Through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that anyone should boast. Isn't it interesting that there in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? It is a past tense thing. It is a done deal thing. For you have been saved by grace through faith. So salvation is something that's ongoing in terms of you getting to heaven. In terms of you being made right with God and your sins being no longer being counted against you. If salvation is an ongoing thing, then why does the Bible talk about it like it's a done deal? Because the truth of the matter is, the Bible says, for all who are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says in Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're not a Christian in here, the moment you give your heart to Christ, the moment you put your faith in His saving work on the cross for you, the moment you become in Christ, that is the moment that all accusation and condemnation is wiped away. God will never accuse you. Satan may, and may deceive you into thinking that's the voice of the Lord, but the Bible declares, it uses a legal term. You know, back then the Romans, they they had a very strong legal system. He uses a legal term. That term is called justification. Everyone say justification. Justification Justification is a legal term in which you have right standing. One moment you're guilty, and the next moment you have right standing with God. And And that justification, that right standing with God, it doesn't come as a result of anything you do. It comes as a gift of God. And so the Bible tells us to forget not all his benefits. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. 
Amen? Now, and, and I just want to go a little bit deeper. Um, and praise the Lord. In verse 10 says, he does not deal with us according to our sins. Um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper about what it means to have who forgive. It says, bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. So, you know, in the Western Christian sense, when we think of iniquity being forgiven, we think of it in terms of you going to heaven. Isn't that true? Many times and almost every time, forgiveness is preached. Forgiveness is preached in regards to you going to heaven. In regards to you having justification before God. But you see, forgiveness is much deeper than that. You see, forgiveness is not just something that you know and you try to believe with all your heart that is true. Forgiveness is something that has deep benefits to the rest of your life. Forgiveness just doesn't give you the benefit of an everlasting benefit. Forgiveness gives you an earthly benefit. A lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of ministries don't understand this. And so all they go for is your everlasting life in heaven, your salvation going to heaven. But they feel like they don't, they don't have ministries that, that apply the benefits of that forgiveness to your life here on earth. Here's the real story. Many of you guys in here, you have all kinds of different religious, spiritual backgrounds. Some of you guys grew up in the church. Uh, how many of you guys in here, you didn't grow up in the church? You didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know what church was. Uh, you didn't grow up in the church. Your, your family may have been Buddhist, atheist. You didn't grow up in the church. Um, many of us in here, we grew up in the church. We have different uh, spiritual backgrounds. What was I going with this? <laughs> yeah, so we, here's the real story is whether you had a Christian background or not, as you were growing up, there are certain things that happened to you that messed you up. You know, almost everybody has some kind of story, whether it was at home with their parents or it was with their friends on the playground. Things that happened to you, it hurt you while you're growing up. It messed you up. Things happened in the church that hurt you or things that you did. You're so disappointed in yourself, so disillusioned about Christianity that it made you kind of distant from God. There's all kinds of things that happen to us as we're growing up, whether we have a Christian background or not. And the thing is, many times the messages that get spoken from the pulpit is, the benefits of the cross apply to you and your life after death. But in regards to you and your life here on earth, all you can do is rejoice that you're going to heaven. And hopefully the effects of you rejoicing going to heaven is going to help heal some of the wounds that you have. Oh, well, I, I was abused as a child. Well, here, here's good news. You're going to heaven after you die. Doesn't that make you feel better? Okay, yeah, I guess. Well, you better feel better. God did something awesome for you. He does something loving for you. Okay, all right. Just rejoice. Just rejoice you're going to heaven. Okay, all right, I rejoice. And we think that that dimension of the good news is what's going to get people, say, uh, get people healed. And the truth of the matter is, forgiveness goes deeper than that. Forgiveness just doesn't apply to your legal standing before God. 
Forgiveness applies to your healing. Forgiveness applies, it is a benefit that brings wholeness in the body of Christ. That brings health in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is so filled with unhealthy believers, you know that? And God never intended it to be that way. God paints a picture in the Bible of a victorious church. A healthy one. One that is without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Does that mean it's a church of perfect performance? No. But it is a church that identifies herself as God sees the church. But for a church to really walk in that, the church has to access the benefits of forgiveness. And so, here's the thing. When your iniquity is forgiven, look at verse 10 together. Check this out. Read that together. Verse 10. One, two, three. Shijak. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquity. That's good news. Amen. God does not deal with us according to our sin. You know, we have very creative ideas of how God should deal with us because of our sin. And God is like, why are you getting creative in that area? It's a done deal. I don't deal with you in that way. So knock it off. Stop it. I don't deal with you according to your sin. The Bible says he doesn't repay us according to our iniquity. Now, there might be consequences for stupid things we do. You know, you sleep around, you're going to get a girl pregnant, you better deal with that. You go around, you get an STD, you better deal with it. Now, there are consequences to our wicked behavior, mind you. You stay with an abusive boyfriend, you might get beat up every week. You make poor decisions, you make bad decisions, you drink and you... You, 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 you just revel in debauchery every weekend. You, you get hooked into drugs. You go visit brothels. I mean, it's, there's going to be consequences for those sins. But here's the thing. The good news is, God doesn't deal with you. Does, he, doesn't, he doesn't not only deal with you according to your sin. It says He doesn't repay you according to your iniquity. So you might be like, oh man, I'm, I'm, there's these terrible things happening in my life. And it's because I've been doing drugs on the weekend. It's because I lie to my friends. It's because I committed adultery. And the and the real the real news is that's not true. Cuz if God was really repaying you according to your iniquities, you should be shaking in your boots. You should be afraid. Very afraid. Do you want to get a picture of how God deals with iniquity? Look at the Old Testament law. That's the way God deals with iniquity. The two people were caught in adultery. They were to be stoned to death, both of them. Both male and female. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine us living on the other side of the cross and having to uphold that law? Hey, Anna. Check this out. Look. It was a good example. <laughs> Sorry, uh... Justin, our drummer, has been caught in adultery. I'm saying that because Justin will never do that. Anna, pick up the first stone. Anna, I want, we're going to all do it in a second. You better pick up that stone. And I was like, Justin's my friend. He's an adulterer. All right? And you might be like, well, that God, God seems a little bit harsh. 
Right? God seems a little harsh. No, but that's how God sees iniquity. It's wicked. We might think adultery is just, you know, a little fun in the bed. If nobody knows, it's not going to hurt nobody. What's the big deal? What's the big deal if I have a little night of passion? What if I have a little fling on the side? What's the big deal? Well, if you have been part of a family where your mom or your dad committed adultery, you know how big of a deal it is. God created the institution of family. And from day one, Satan has been attacking the institution. And one way he breaks up the family through divorce is through adultery. It's through a, a night of passion. It's through a, an affair. It's through param peeing, whatever Koreans call it. <laughs> I mean, what, what a completely, like, like, un irresponsible figurative language is that for Koreans. You know what param pio, you know, I don't know actually what, where it comes from, but I do remember, you know, my mom used to say when I was growing up, if I eat too much, she say, you know, param shiro, you know, koroga. You know, take a, take a walk around the block to get some air. Well, I don't know if that's the same thing. Well, that's kind of like the same picture you get. Param, you know, param, what? Param? Uh, param says, don't got too much. Aniya? Ah, 한국말 좀더 배울게요. Anyway, man, whatever it means, it really makes it seem like, oh, what's the big deal? That's the attitude of most men here in this country. You know, a lot of the uh, men that were polled back in 2000, I think it was seven, I forget the article. Um, but, you know, you have about two-thirds of the men in this country, they admit to having adulterous affair. And then you have, I think, about 40% regularly visit prostitutes. And they don't see it as a big deal. And it's killing the families here. And, and the thing is, it doesn't kill the family until the ch- children go off to college. Because Korean parents think that's the right thing to do. But it's the moment you have an affair or the moment you visit a brothel, the, the marriage is already in their hearts, ended. And it's a shame because it, it hurts our children. It hurts the family. And so God says, you don't understand what adultery does. This needs to be purged from among you. And the way you purge it is you put the fear of God in anyone else that has been thinking about having an adulterous affair by stoning them to death. Now we got to remember, if the word of God says, he does not repay us according to our iniquity, we got to understand what repaying us according to our iniquity looks, really looks like. For us to understand what a benefit it is that God doesn't do it that way. You know, you have to remember, David is a recipient of this grace. David is an adulterer. According to Hebrew law, David, even though he's the king, he should have been taken outside and stoned to death with Bathsheba. And if it wasn't the adultery, him doing first degree murder, setting up, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to be killed in the front lines of battle. Murder also, by the way, involves capital punishment. You know, in America, there's a big debate like, you know, capital punishment is not loving. It's not, you know, biblical. You know, you know, no, capital punishment, God made capital punishment. You got to understand the death penalty 
It's not a human idea. I mean, God says, man, you need to understand that every man created on the earth is created in my image. So even though some of them will never come to Christ, even though some of them will just head straight to hell, there is an inherent dignity and value that I uphold across all the men and women of the earth. You are not to kill someone else that's made in my image. If you do, this is the way you ought to be punished. But you know what? Praise the Lord because God doesn't treat us according to, doesn't deal us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. So everyone say that. God does not deal with me, deal with me according, to my sin. according to my sin. He does not repay me. According to my iniquity. So check this out. If God doesn't do that for you, why do you do it for yourself? Now, some of us in here, we struggle with extreme self-hatred. Or really, really strong guilt. Some of you in here, God wants to raise you up as leaders in this house. Disciple makers. Preachers, worship leaders, or missionaries, or marketplace ministers. God wants to do amazing things through you. But because whenever you've tried something and you failed, you allow that failure to define who you are. And you beat yourself up over that failure. And you're like, man, I don't ever deserve another chance to lead worship because of what I've done. Or because of what I didn't do. And you, and you end up disqualifying yourself. And you treat yourself. You deal with yourself according to your sin. But the Bible says God doesn't deal with you that way. So stop dealing with yourself according to your sin. You know, I, I, I used to have a... Uh, well, I have a friend. <laughs> I have a friend. And uh, I don't know if she's here today. She might be here. Hey, I, I, I don't, I don't see her. So, uh, you know, I, I've known, how about it? I've known friends that have struggled with penance, the idea of penance. Uh, the idea of penance is, um, in America, when people sin, they're so apathetic to that sin that when they confess, it's very cavalier. So, yeah, you know, like you see the typical Hollywood movie scene. Somebody goes into the confession booth. And then says, Father, I have sinned. And says to the Catholic priest, you know, oh, how have you sinned, my son? And he says, yeah, I went, I had three bank robberies this week. And I killed two Korean grocery owners. And uh, I'm sleeping around with five different women. And uh, I, just, I just ask for your forgiveness. And then, you know, the priest, I don't know if it's that extreme every time they confess. But what I'm saying is, when they do those confession scenes in the Hollywood movies, it's very cavalier. And so one thing they have in the Catholic Church that some people outside the Catholic Church adopt is the thing idea of penance. This is where you take a period of time where you soak and you allow yourself to feel the guilt and the volume and the weight of your sin and wickedness. And, and when you really go for it, man, some people are like in this state of like, I'm a terrible person for like months. Before they will allow God to fully forgive them. Before they allow themselves to believe that they are forgiven. 
And the thing is, one of my friends, her mom used to do it to her. She's not even a Catholic uh, Christian, but her mom used to do that to her. So every time we were like, every summer comes around, I would encourage her, let's go on a mission trip. And then she would go and approach her mom and her mom will say, how can you go on a mission trip when you're such a hypocrite? You don't, you don't treat your parents right. You don't do your chores. You racked up $5,000 in credit card bills. Who do you think you are? You need to go think about what you've done. And already my friend's feeling guilty about all those things that she didn't do or she did do. Right? But she asked to that and says, you know what? You can't go on missions. You're a terrible person. And so she will call back and say, I can't go. I'm like, why? You know? There's a people on our team that was smoking weed six months ago. And the staff asked them how they dealt with it. They said they confessed. And the staff said, all right, well, let's, we'll take you. Come on, let's go. Let's go on missions. And she'd be like, oh, no, I'm not. you don't understand, Christian. I'm such a terrible person. I'm like, why? You're a wonderful person. You're great. She said, no, no, I did this. All right. So did you confess that before God? Yeah. So what's the problem? Well, well, I don't think I, I confess and I know I'm forgiven, but I don't think I really understand the depth of my sin. I don't think I really understand the consequences of my sin, the horror of my sin. So, you know, I think I need to spend some time soaking in that horror. And so what's in effect is happening. She's doing that to herself and she's allowing her mom to do that to her. And she's trying to treat herself and deal with herself according to her sin. And there's a lot of Christians in the body of Christ that do that. And that's the time where we got to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Here's the thing about forgiveness. Here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a legal thing. But it's also an experiential thing. And it exists in those two realms together. It is a legal thing. You don't ever have to worry that if you sin, that God will deny you uh, his, your relationship with him. That he will close the gates of heaven on you. You don't have to ever worry. Even if it's uh, what some Christian you know, branches call, uh, what are they called? Those really terrible sins. What are they called? Who's a Catholic in here? Who, carn, cardinal sins? I don't know. There are like nine sins. One of them's like murder. And if you ever commit these really terrible sins, Catholic Church says, oh, man, you in trouble. You is in trouble. <laughs> you know, and, and so I guess the idea is that they will never do it again by telling them, you know, you might not go to heaven because of it. Well, here's, here's the thing. There's nothing that you can do. Now, I know that uh, non-Calvinists, people that are Arminian in their doctrine, will tell you that if you sin really bad and you backslide really bad, you lose your salvation. But I don't teach that in this house. And it's okay if you disagree. It's okay if you disagree. Why don't you try it out? Try it. And let's see what happens. But I'm telling you, you can't lose your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. You know why? You know why? That's what my mentor used to say in college. Because God's not an Indian giver. This is a terrible racist comment, but... In America, it's perfectly fine. 
among places where there's non-Native Americans. But anyway, you say God's not an Indian giver. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm not the most politically correct pastor. And uh, the idea is, you know, Indians, you know, they gave the land to the colonists and then they took back the land and started killing the colonists. So, you know, you know don't be an Indian giver. If you give something, give it. Don't take it back. Here's the thing. God does that with, um, the Bible says the callings and giftings of God are irrevocable. That's why when you see a person that's powerfully anointed and they, they are having like adulterous affairs, God actually doesn't take back those anointings and gifts. Once they got it and they're walking in it, they're going to keep walking in it. That's why you got to be discerning and you got to look at the fruit of that person's life and look at the fruit of his integrity and all these things to really determine the health of that person, whether you want to partner with that person. But here's the thing. What God does with giftings and callings, he also does with the gift of salvation. Once he gives it to you, he doesn't take it back. Once he gives it to you, he doesn't say, Chris, Kim, are you kidding me? I cannot believe what you did last weekend. Give me my salvation back. Give me the gift of everlasting back, Chris. You are disqualified from receiving this. Right? God never do that. If Chris goes and does that, God's like, oh, you need this gift even more. I need you to understand that you have received this gift. Let it awaken you to live a life of thanksgiving and praise to me. The only reason you're living like that is because you don't really realize the gift you have received. <laughs> Chris is getting convicted. No. <laughs> Sorry, bro. That's what you get for sitting in the front, you know. Um, God's gift of everlasting life is God never takes it back. And so there's nothing you can do to make God not love you. In fact, the good news the Bible actually says is he made this choice before you were born. He made this choice before you did anything good or bad. He did it in eternity past. That's why the Bible calls he predestined us in love to be conformed to the image of his son. And so, you know, God doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Why do, that? Why do we do it for ourselves? Let's stop doing that for ourselves. But how about this? Why do we do that for others? Like my friend's mom? Right? Especially people that are like perfect melancholies and they, they really try hard to live a blameless life. Those types of people that are like really, they have all their T's crossed and their I's dotted. And they're like, they're really living like, you know, like, like a Pastor John Newfeld. <laughs> or, or even Anita. I mean, they're like the perfect couple. Because they're very much like that, you know. They're like, you know, I know they're not like, you know, perfect and stuff. But, you know, like, you know, they sure, they sure seem like it. <laughs> You know, and I'm not saying this is what they, they, they fall into, but people that have that kind of tendency, that, that really live right, and they, they try to, you know, live appropriately and live blameless, they have a tendency to treat other people according to their sin. They have a tendency to repay people according to their iniquity. Look, if God doesn't do it for them, you have no right to do it for them. 
you know, uh, when, when it was time for, uh, so let me back up, like three years ago, I started getting interested in Erin. And so I took a month to pray for her, pray about her. I was about 28 years old, I think. And she was, she was much younger. And uh, she was like straight out of college. She was like 23 years old. And um, when she came to our church, she had, a, she had a drastic transformation. God was doing it already in New York. But when she got here, it became established. It became permanent. And she went through her healing and deliverance session. And I actually led her healing and deliverance session. So here I am sitting through and she's confessing that she had all these years where she used to steal. And she was good at it. I mean, she used to steal stuff. Even then, when she didn't even need it, she'll just steal it because she could. Like she saw this iPad, she'll just be like. And you will never know. And I hear her confess these things. And then I declare, you know, she... She takes steps, you know, to repent and renounce it. And then we break it off of her. We break off any demonic spirits that are associated with that stronghold. And then we declare God's forgiveness over her. And I said, I quoted this verse. As far as the east is from the west, God has removed that transgression from you. So you make sure it's removed from your own head. And don't let anybody else tell you that you're still a thief. But not only that, there were other things that she shared. You know, in her backslidden years at college. That she did. Right? And so, a couple months later, when I became interested in her, and I started praying into a romantic relationship with her, at the end of that month, this is what I concluded. And now, God set me up for this, by the way. <laughs> so, Because for many, many, many years, I had prayed for a specific kind of girl. And you guys all have different lists. And I think it's a biblical, I think it's a healthy thing to have a list. You should identify what you like and dislike. You know? Uh, and, but certain things on that list were like, uh, I will marry, uh, I want to marry a girl that has never smoked a cigarette in her life. <laughs> Not to even mention drugs. <laughs> you know, I, I want to marry uh, a girl that uh, can slice, uh, thinly peel apples. <laughs> uh, I want to marry a girl with long hair. And the Lord provided that one. Hallelujah. But, uh, um, there were certain things on that list. So I was looking for a very specific girl. And when I was praying into Aaron, I realized, you know what? Aaron doesn't really match up with the girl that I've been praying for all these years. That God has been assuring me, you're going to marry a wonderful girl. And the prophecy that uh, I kept getting from Brother Michael was, she is a woman that's beautiful inside and out. It's going to be clear. She's going to be a woman beautiful inside and out. So hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe it, Lord. I receive it, Lord. And uh, at, the, at the end of the month, I decided not to pursue it. And the, and the biggest hindrance for me was, that, was her past. Was that I had made hard choices to live a very certain, to, to walk a certain path, you know. And she didn't have that. And so I said, you know what? I think I'm supposed to marry someone else. So I'm not going to ask her out. And then our good friend Jazz, who is an intelligence specialist for the Air Force. (laughs) And he has these interrogation skills. 
he helped me assemble a bed one time. He came over and we're talking. And he said, he didn't know who the girl was at that time. So he's like, you know, so, so what's up? Why don't you just ask her out, yo? I'm like, no, you don't understand, Jess. You don't understand, bro, man. I know stuff and, you know, I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't know how I can deal with all that. You know, you don't understand, man. He's like, boy, is she cute? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, all right, I understand what you're saying. I understand, you know, because you made certain choices, you expect the same. All right, I understand. Well, do you believe that God's forgiven her of all that? And I was like, yeah, you know, I truly believe that. I led her healing and deliverance session, actually, and I declared that over her. (laughs) As far as the east is from the west, so far God has removed your transgressions from you. So he's like, all right. So what's the problem? So, I mean, yeah, after that, man, it just jacked me up. <laughs> because the issue came, went from she's not the girl that I think I've been praying for all these years. The issue came from, went from that to do I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I remember declaring over, God's given you a new beginning, sister. And I even pray for her future husband. I said, I pray that your future husband will not hold any of these things against you. And that he will see you as God sees you. God bless him, whoever he is. I'm telling you, God set me up. God set me up. And so, I mean, when it came down to it, God does not deal with her according to her sins. God doesn't repay her according to her iniquities. So who was I to try to do the same for her? Who was I to try to treat her that way? And so the way I thought of it was like this. If she never did any of those things and never experienced any of the things from her past, would I ask her out? The answer was, yeah. Yeah. She sure is cute. (laughs) And so I just felt the Lord putting on my heart. Well, that's the way I see her. Are you going to choose to see her that way too? You don't have to. I remember the Lord put it on my heart. Even through prophet Hannah, the prophetic word came. This is your choice. You know, and I thought, well, God, I thought it was a sovereign thing where you choose the girl and you know the name and the height and you just revealed it. And then I go after her. You know, and God, it didn't seem like God was working that way. I don't know. God was still working in that way, but not in that way, which I thought is in that way. And it was just like, it's your choice. It's your choice. I'm going to bless you to take these steps. I'll bless you if you don't. And I just wrestled in my spirit. I said, Lord, I don't know what this means, but I'm going to choose to see her the way you see her. And so I took an evening where I just, I just prayed into it. And, you know, I got very angry, actually, at some of the uh, people that were in her life. And I have to forgive them. I never met these people. <laughs> but I just, I just, I had to forgive them. 
And so one evening, uh, I just took time to just cry out. I was on my knees, repenting for my own sin, repenting for uh, uh, just, you know, not seeing her the way God sees her. And then I just started to, like, pray into her past. And I just got very angry with some of the men that she knew in the past. And I just took time to forgive all of them. And so later on, when we started to go out and we started to see each other and things were going really well, we had a conversation one night where she shared with me in detail everything that she had done. Now, up until then, I knew generally what she had done. But she told me in detail everything she ever done. Conversation ended at like 4 in the morning. We're at Namsan Tower area. And I was, my heart just felt so heavy. So heavy. And then Aaron was like, you know what? If you walk away from this relationship, I'm all right with that. Because all I know is God's forgiven me of all that stuff. So even if you don't see me that way, it's all good with me because I have God's love. And that made me like her more, you know? <laughs> I was like, wow. This woman knows the gospel. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, God does not deal with us according to our sins. And so we need to stop dealing with others according to their sins. In fact, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. You know, in any instance where we get wronged or we see the faults of others, we always have a choice. To love them, to cover them, or to just banish them from our hearts and mistreat them or try to mistreat them so that they come to repentance. You know. Brothers and sisters, let us choose to do as God does for, with our sin. Let's do that for the sins of others. And what about, um, all right, I'm going to skip through that. All right, let's skip through that. Let's go to the third benefit. So the first benefit is your iniquity forgiven for all of eternity. Second is your iniquity forgiven for your experience here on earth and how that applies. That's a benefit. But the third benefit mentioned here is actually physical healing. It says here, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your disease. How many times does the word all appear there? Can anyone count in here? How many times does the word of all appear? Three times. The word of God says, forget not all his benefits. And then it lists two examples. Forget not uh, who heals all your iniquities. And who forgives, I mean, who, I'm sorry, who forgives all your iniquity and he heals all your disease. Let me ask you a question. How many of your iniquities has God forgiven? All. Is it just all your sins up until your point of conversion? How about the sins you're going to commit 30 years down the line? He heals them all. I mean, I mean forgives them all. Hallelujah. I'm like jumping the gun to my next point. We believe, we don't question ever, that God is the God who forgives all our iniquity. Without exception, all means all. But why is it that when it comes to what's listed next, 
we pick and choose. Forget not all his benefits. Here are some examples of all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your disease. You know, one of the benefits, the amazing benefits of the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, is physical healing. I know it's not taught in the Christian, uh, I know it's not taught in the body of Christ. But physical healing was purchased for you as Jesus was on his way to the cross. He took 40 lashes across his back, minus one. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. And that is quoted in the New Testament to refer two times to the physical healing ministry of the Holy Spirit. All means all, amen? There is no disease that God cannot heal. Everyone believes that. How about this? There is no disease that God will not heal. Oh, not so many amens. Of course, God can do it. Well, will he do it? A lot of people, this is where they divide. But the scripture here says, forget not all his benefits. He he forgives all your iniquities, heals all your disease. If you believe all your sin is forgiven, then you ought to press in till you see all your disease be healed. I don't care what it is. I don't care how long you've had it. You need to forget not all his benefits. And so we here in the body of Christ, we need to have a more active role in pursuing physical health in our lives. You know, so many of us, we compromise. We don't bring the issue of physical health before God. In the Western world, what do we do? We go to medical doctors. In the third world, what do we do? We go to shamanistic witchcraft doctors and all kinds of acupuncture and all kinds of these spiritualistic beliefs to get physical healing. When the Bible simply says, He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your disease. Don't forget it. We need to stop pumping in money into the Hanyak doctors, the medical doctors. And we need to learn how to go to God. God should be our primary go-to person for our physical health. Meaning that even if you end up going to a medical doctor because you've been praying and praying and praying and it's not getting better, even if you end up going to the medical doctor, you're doing it all in prayer. You're doing it just filled with prayer. Close your eyes with me. There are people in here There are people in here and you have been struggling with intense guilt and self-hatred. And the Bible says God doesn't deal with you according to your sin, but you refuse to believe that. You just find it so hard to believe that. 
And so you just continue and you just continue to treat yourself, to deal with yourself according to your own sin. And if you want to be set free today from that condemnation, from that guilt, from that self-hatred, I want you to stand up to your feet. And I want to pray for people that want to be set free from that pattern. Because I'll tell you right now, that is not the Spirit of God. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. You are not a failure. You are not an accident. You are loved by the Father. And He delights in you. So if that's you, I want you to stand up and I just want to pray for you. Put an end to this pattern today. The Bible says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear Him. And again, it says in verse 13 and 14, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. God longs to show you His love and compassion. He wants to be merciful and gracious to you. He wants to satisfy you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So if you want that pattern of condemnation, self-hatred, you have self-esteem issues, it's because you are not allowing yourself to see yourself as God sees you. And you want to put an end to that stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm.